a 12 to one run ended the game in Milwaukee for the Phoenix Suns. And ultimately they lose the game by 10 points, but it was a damn good game. Ladies and gentlemen. Now, if you were to simply be a scoreboard watcher and see that the Milwaukee Bucks beat the Phoenix Suns by 10 points at home, you might be disappointed. And maybe we can be disappointed with how the Suns close the game again, giving up a 12 to one run to end the game. But Matthew, I think this was a damn good game by the Phoenix Suns, especially considering both Chris Paul and Devin Booker were not out there for the team. Or yeah, and, Cam Johnson. Cameron Johnson, yeah. I mean, our savior last game. Um, it, it was a good game. It really was um, from start to finish. Middleton and Drew Holiday, they just make the biggest shots. And their shots are usually like falling off the screen. Like usually Booker and Chris Paul, they make their mid-range. But it's always like Middleton and, and Drew. It's like they shoot the ball. They're not even on the screen. They're like way out from three, making the most difficult shots. And that's what they did tonight. That's what they had to do to beat this Suns team. Precisely. It's what they had to do to beat the Suns team. Because again, a team that's without two all-stars in their backcourt fights, claws, and displays how they play as a team and how deep this team truly is. Did it equate to a victory tonight? No. Is there any? Is there such thing as a moral victory? Maybe not. But I'll take this as the Suns put forth a fantastic performance. They allowed Cameron Payne and some other players who might not necessarily get the opportunity to navigate the clutch minutes, uh, an opportunity to do just that. Now, did they do so successfully? No, but they had an opportunity to be in that game, in an arena that was definitely full of fans who wanted to see their team once again beat the best team in the NBA, the Phoenix Suns. And you know what? They got what they paid for, and they got their victory. But I think as we take a step back from this game, knowing that this team is now 3-3 three and three without Chris Paul, I think that there's a lot of positive things to take away from this game. And we're going to get into that on this edition of the Suns Jam Session Podcast. So thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us after this game. Whether you're joining us live on YouTube, Twitter, or Facebook, or if you're listening to the podcast tomorrow while you're sitting in the airport waiting to hop on a plane and go to Reno, Nevada, wherever you are, thank you. The one person doing that. Yep. <laughs> the one person doing that tomorrow morning <laughs> on a 920 flight to Reno, Nevada tomorrow. I'll be listening to myself talk like a true narcissist I am. Just kidding. Uh, I'm not kidding. I'm kidding. No, yeah, you got to practice, man. You know, you got to put in the time. <laughs> you know. Uh, but again, hit the thumbs up while you're here, Jamsters. We appreciate it. Subscribe, rate, and review wherever you happen to be listening to this podcast. Matthew, please tell me you're popping open a, a teeth cracking cold brew. Or do you have you know what? Mini no, pepper? not today. I got a mini uh, coffee. Actually. Oh, okay. Let's go right down the street. Really good. The buzzed with goat. Oil. Yeah. Okay. Remember that place? Yes, I do. Yeah. Still, nice. still a, popping over there, man. I, I have a big old glass of water here. So All right. we're going to talk about this. And on the other side of the break, which toe is the most important toe? That and more up next.
Only the 13th loss for the Phoenix Suns this season comes at the hands of the Milwaukee Bucks in a game in which Giannis Antetokounmpo fouled out. Which brings me to my first question. Matthew, I got to ask. Matthew, I got to ask. Wouldn't it be nice if the Phoenix Suns got some of the calls they got tonight? in the NBA Finals last year, with Drew Holiday playing overly aggressive at the point, with Giannis Antetokounmpo running into players and knocking them off their spots and being called for offensive fouls. God, it would have been nice if we got these calls in the NBA Finals last year, wouldn't it have? It would have been nice, but I would have liked more tonight. I feel like it was kind of uneven, and you usually don't get that from me. I usually just don't care too much. Um, but tonight, it's just frustrating. I almost just kind of want to give up watching basketball, watching these kinds of games. Of course, I love it. I love supporting the Suns, and I love watching these games down to the wire to see who can pull it out, you know, who can pull out the quickest, who has the best pullout game. And usually, I mean, Suns usually come on top, right? So come out on top. Okay, hold on. <laughs> so I walked myself into that one. If anybody got that, that was disgusting. <laughs> but I'm going to say that uh, with with the way the refs ref tonight, it's kind of unbearable just because you want these two teams to be aggressive and there were some calls against, uh, I think Giannis got his six, and his six were legit six. Mm-hmm. But there were some calls towards the end, like when Jay Crowder got pushed by Middleton, that's an offensive mm-hmm. foul. Yes. That could have swung the game towards the end, and I would have lived, loved to live and die by Jay Crowder today because he was basically the best player on the court. But having to do with the rest, man, I don't know. I mean, I think it's this is going to be the finals. This is going to be every freaking game coming up in a couple months. Yeah, it's interesting because... This game, I felt, was definitely a lot more ticky-tacky than the uh, than the NBA Finals were when it comes to, you know, like you said, the, the Jay Crowder non-call at the end, essentially, that went against Jay Crowder when Middleton clearly extended his arm, pushed off of him. Uh, but I do think that both these teams like to play physical. They are probably, in their respective conferences, the most physical teams in their respective conferences. So having them pit up against each other and seeing the ultimately what what came out to a bunch of fouls being called uh, at the end is not what I'm going to obviously take from this game, but it is an observation. It's one thing that I noticed, especially with Drew Holiday, you know, because going back to the NBA finals, I thought Drew Holiday, while everybody was talking uh, around the country about how great of a defensive guard he was. I'm like, well, he's allowed to be a great defensive guard because of the physicality he's allowed to play with. He picks up guys at half court and he just ramps his body into them and pushes them off of their their spots. That's a foul. And in this game, you finally started to see some of those things called. So I don't know if that's going to continue. I haven't watched a ton of bad or Bucks basketball this season to see if Drew Holiday is being uh penalized for being as aggressive as he is on defense but if that's the case it's something that definitely uh excites me if we have to play this team again in the NBA finals because i think that again it, it's it's just not the way the basketball should be played if you're going to call the ticky tackness down in the paint for guys being moved off of their spot why can't you do it 37 feet from the from the from the rim so uh you know again i think that this was a very Fun game to watch. One that I didn't have a lot of expectations in. You know, I honestly thought that this was a scheduled L without once they announced yesterday that Cameron Johnson was out and he's going to be out for a few games now with a uh, right leg or right. Was it quad contusion? 
Mm-hmm. And uh, somebody pinpointed it on Twitter exactly when it happened in the last game against the Knicks when he took a knee right to his quad. I didn't think that this would even be a game. Now, ultimately, again, if you see that final score and the Suns lose by 10, you're like, ah, wasn't much of a game. This team fought their ass off tonight, man. Don't don't you think? Yeah. I mean, even to start the game, I mean, the Bucks they kind of were handing the Suns a little bit of a, they give them a little bit of a um, a push in the beginning because the way the Bucks were playing, they were kind of being a little bit sloppy in the first quarter. I think they had, the Suns had 14 points off turnovers i think in the first quarter which yeah. is really ridiculous usually like the bucks i mean they kind of play a little bit lately they've been better as a team uh controlling the ball and stuff but they that's always been their thing this year how they kind of been a little bit sloppy they haven't been into every game it can be very frustrating to watch them as a bucks fan mm-hmm. but tonight you saw that you saw how they can just have a lot of miscommunication on offense and that kind of allowed the suns to get those points off turnovers and it's perfect when you have like a Cameron Payne really playing the, the point guard position because he's a guy that likes to push the ball. And he's really good, especially tonight, finding his guys on the open in the open court, getting down the court very quickly and getting some shots off before Giannis can recover. So just with that start, it was like, I think that's what the Suns needed. And of course, I think they went like four for four or four for five from three, which helped them. But then the Bucks kind of matched from there. Mm-hmm. But the Suns just, they did everything they had to do tonight that the Bucks gave them. Like the Bucks gave them a little bit of that push and the Suns took advantage of it. They really did. And they kept it up all game long, even towards the end. I mean, of course, when you have your your the guys like the Chris Paul, like the Devin Booker, even Cameron Johnson from last game, the guys that are just closing games out, when they're not in there, it's tough. That's why I feel like you kind of got to ride the hot hand, which was like a Jay Crowder tonight. Mm-hmm. He was a guy that kind of stepped up in that place and they kind of went away from that. And it was a game that was kind of there for the taking, but you just knew, even with Giannis fouling out, the way Drew Middleton wanted this game because of the last last year's finals and how they just want to prove something to maybe Aaron Holiday, you know, playing one-on-one against his brother, um, that it's going to be difficult to end, to end in the last two minutes. And it's just the Suns just did not have enough. Well, I mean, you look at that fourth quarter for the Bucks. First off, they scored 41 points. So that is not good. Not good at all. <laughs> uh, 17 points came from Drew Holiday. 16 came from Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton ended with 44 points. Drew Holiday ended with 24 points. Uh, the final five minutes of the game, and the reason the Phoenix Suns have been so amazing this year is because in that final five minutes, they know completely and utterly who they are on offense and on defense. When you have the likes of Chris Paul and Devin Booker, two playmakers who can take any defense thrown at them and navigate it to their advantage in the last five minutes, you're going to win ball games. And essentially that's what happened this evening is we got to that last five minutes, the game's close and the Suns didn't necessarily have that identity. They played with a different kind of pace and not taking anything away from campaign because pan campaign had a great night tonight as well. 23 points from uh, and nine of 19 from the field, and he had eight assists as well. As you mentioned, Matthew, he did a great job facilitating this offense once again, looked really good, looked really patient, uh, was finding his fellow teammates right in stride, hooking them up with easy baskets. I mean, that's all you can ask for from your playmaker. But in that last five minutes, that's where it's Chris Paul time and it's Devin Booker time. And tonight it had to be uh, campaign time. You know, and and he just mm-hmm. ultimately couldn't execute. I mean, there was a, a play where 
I think the Suns were down four, and Mikael Bridges is trying to create an entry pass to DeAndre Ayton and throws the ball away. You know, so yeah. I mean, yeah. it's things like that that aren't necessarily. Uh, it's going to hurt the Suns not having Chris Paul and not having Devin Booker. And again, I, I take this game completely as as at face value a game that I expected to be a loss and a game that the Suns pleasantly surprised me with their team first attitude. And I'll ask you this, Matthew, when you see a game like this happen, does this solidify Monty Williams for coach of the year? Cause he's currently minus three fifty, the only person via DraftKings who is in the minus everyone else is plus something. So he's currently the odds on favorite for coach of the year. Does a team performance like you saw tonight further solidify his candidacy for the coach of the year? Yeah. And even like the inside the huddle thing they had later in the game where Monty was talking about, you know, this is going to be a fight and, you know, you got to put up your left and then throw them, throw the right or whatever, you know, yeah, yeah. his reference to boxing. And it was, it was good because you can see Shamit and McHill really getting into it. I mean, coaches on the sideline, when they have those little motivational talks to get your team back into it, you know, players are just like kind of usually down. They're kind of out of it, but they know they have to rely on Monty to get them to, to push them, to give them a little bit more momentum heading back into the game after timeouts. And that's what he kept doing all game long. Keep up that energy. And it's really tough because, you know, when you're playing in this game without those three guys we talked about, you know, it's going to be a long game. You know, it's going to be a lot ahead of you, right? You're like, oh, first quarter is over with. Second quarter is over with. We already <laughs> we use a lot of energy in this game. It was got two more quarters, and we had to do it all by ourselves, basically, right? Mm-hmm. And we have to figure out a way to beat this team that's fully loaded right now, the team that beat us in the finals. So the way Monty's been coaching, he is coach of the year for sure. Um, it's, it's funny because I don't feel like it gets talked enough. I know he is odds on a favorite, but it doesn't seem like every time the Suns play on national TV, no one really talks about him being coach of the year. I think it's just it's a known thing. Best record in the NBA, uh, beating any team they can. Any team they have to, even without Devin Booker and Chris Paul, it's a three and three record right now, right? Or is mm-hmm. it? Are they three and four? Three and uh, three. Three and three without Chris Paul, which is that's all coaching. It really is, and we can go get. We can talk about matchups really at the center position, like the way he was playing Biombo and McGee. That was really good to watch yeah. at the end of the first quarter. It looked really, or I think it was the start of the second quarter. That was really fun to watch because that really helped with Giannis. It kind of took Giannis out of his game, and that was just something that Monty did and. Sometimes we're always like, why aren't you playing Biamo? Why aren't you playing McGee in certain situations? But playing them both at the same time, it seemed to work. And then you also saw Biamo with Aiden, and I kind of like that too. So this mm-hmm. is all this is all Monty right here. This is him just winning the award right now. Yeah, and I think that he's doing everything he can to put this team in a position to win. Some execution obviously needed to occur, uh, to occur at the end of this game. And thankfully, some execution occurred at the end of the game against the Knicks, or that would have been a loss. But that being said, yeah. you know, Monty Williams is doing those things right now that are empowering his players. So when crunch time comes and we have our stars back, their confidence will exist and they become an unbelievably deep, deep team. You know, my dad called me at halftime. He's like, how is this? How, how are the Suns even in this game, John? And I'm like, Monty, Monty has a system that empowers his players and they are, they've been successful in it. They're running the right sets coming out of timeouts. And as you mentioned, he's experimenting with lineups. We saw this when they played the bucks earlier in the season and beat them by 24. It was the Suns going big and creating a wall and being physical with Giannis and taking him out of his game that allowed them to win that game. Now, that being said in that game, they didn't get the type of performance from Middleton and drew holiday that they did this evening. And 
if they don't get that performance from Drew Holiday in the fourth quarter and they don't get that performance from Chris Middleton throughout the entire game, this is a loss for the Bucs. So it took their all-stars being all-stars to win this game. And we were we were without our all-stars. So you know what? That's just kind of the way it goes sometimes is, you know, if you, if you are injured or you're depleted, you're probably going to lose these games. But the fact that the Phoenix Suns put up a fight, I'll tell you this. If you're a Bucks fan and you're watching this game, you have your hand on your head, you know, for the entire, you know, at least the first 44 minutes of the game because you can't believe that this, they're, you're not just blowing the shit out of this team. But as you mentioned, the likes of Jay Crowder, campaign, uh, Mikhail Bridges in the fourth quarter, you know, the, the way that this team, Landry Shamit, who we'll talk about in a little bit, the way that this team came together and showcased their growth is something that, you know, again, it, it's going to bode well for this team further down the line. Because I'll ask, you know, I I see it's funny. At any time there's a loss, there's a lot of jamsters kind of going at each other in the chat right now, live on YouTube. Uh, if you're all there, I know you're pretty pissed. Some of you, like the Springer Show over there. Yeah, it's like you know, hit, hit the thumbs, <laughs> hit the thumbs up button while you're there. But at the same time, like, how many of you honestly, honestly, thought that the Suns were going to win this game without Devin Booker, without Chris Paul, and and without Cam, I've got a big Johnson. Seriously. Like, how many of you thought we were going to win this game? Did you, Matthew? Did you think we were going to win this game? No, we released a statement on uh, Twitter where we said it's going to be we a scheduled loss. We released a statement. <laughs> <laughs> scheduled loss, and Aiden will not be able to back us up and help us win this one. Um, so no one really thought we had a chance to win it. And I don't even want to say, like, the Bucks came in here and thought, like, hey, we're just going to steamroll them. It didn't look like that because the Bucks came out really hot, and the Suns just mm-hmm. kind of matched them, right? So it wasn't anything to where... You know, the Suns, you know, sometimes the Suns will do this against lesser teams sometimes over the period of the season to where they might come out a little sluggish. But that wasn't the Bucks. I think the Bucks, especially Sunday, you know, national TV, um, mm-hmm. this is a playoff atmosphere still, even without those guys. Um, so, and Giannis is the ultimate guy that's going to want to play every minute, right? Like his, his fullest. He's going to do that every game. So I always expect a good game out of the Bucks, and for the Suns to match that, especially with our bench, with Aaron Holiday and Torrey Craig, a really good game today too, where they had 11 points in the first in the first quarter, just themselves. Like that was that was great. That's the stuff we needed. These are the guys that needed to step up to show us that we do have that depth, the extra depth heading into the playoffs. Well, and Giannis reminded us right off the bat that he can be unstoppable, right? I mean, 11 yeah. of the first 15 points for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, in that first quarter, the Bucks, even though the Suns carried a 33 to 30 lead out of that first quarter, the Suns shot 52%. The Bucks shot 66.7. You know, so to your point, Matthew, they really came out gangbusters, were ready to go, and the Suns just matched their energy. And they did again for the entire game, except for the last four minutes of the fourth quarter. You know, you look at that fourth quarter, the Bucks went 14 of 20 from the field. That's 70%. The Suns went 13 to 22. That's 59%. I mean, these teams are both just intense, firing on all cylinders. And I think that that you can't take a lot of negative things away from this game. You know, there's obviously a guy who we slammed in the last game uh, who played very well today. And I think that, again, he's the reason for a lot of the fighting in the chat. So we'll talk about it. Watch. You know, obviously, we were very upset with DeAndre Ayton's performance against the New York Knicks, where he went for eight points and three rebounds. 
Tonight he came out, he had 30 points, he had eight rebounds, he was 14 of 19 from the field. I think that some of the frustration in the chat is the fact that DA didn't get necessarily get the ball in the fourth quarter. You know, you look at his fourth quarter statistics, he was only two for two for five points, one for two from the free throw line and only had the one rebound. And I think that that's where that that's where you can be frustrated in this game is though again, the Suns didn't go back to eight in the fourth when he was dominating. But that being said, you know, I'll look at it through this lens, Matthew, and tell me if I'm out of line or if I'm wrong here. DeAndre Ayton, they tried to get him the ball. They just couldn't because, again, we were without Chris Paul. You had a couple plays where campaign was going down, and he just lost it. You had Mikhail Bridges throw one away when he was trying to get it to DA. So I can't, you can't necessarily, or you can, but I just don't, just, I don't agree with you. You, you. I just don't agree with the statement that, well, they just went away from DA. Well, they tried to get it to DA. Guess what the Milwaukee Bucks did? They were doubling down on him in the block. So when Mikhail Bridges went to throw him an entry pass, there was a weak side defender come and knocked the ball away. I mean, so they were they knew what the Suns wanted to do. They wanted to get the ball to DeAndre Ayton. So tell me what you saw from DA today. And uh, did you think that the Phoenix Suns were trying to get the ball in the fourth or am I just blind? No, I think they tried to. And there, I think there's a difference, too, when we're talking about before in other games where DA, you know, he, he has a hard time trying to get to his spots and he's in the wrong spot a lot of the times. And a lot of that's just trying to hit, get himself into the game when he's not really touching the ball at all. This whole game, though, itself, you just saw DA. There's a lot of pressure on him to handle the ball a lot more, to be just the man. And it took a lot away from Mikael Bridges, too. So we'll talk about Mikael probably later. But mm -hmm. DA, he was the main vocal point. He was the guy that they're trying to get the ball to. I think Cameron Payne did a really good job with him today. And I saw some stuff on Twitter, too, during the game where they're talking about, oh, it's because Chris Paul's not there, not handling the ball too much and all this, this and that. But I just I really think they relied heavily on DeAndre Aiden and what him and campaign were doing when campaign had to dump off passes. And D.A. has a really, really good floater. It's really automatic. I don't feel like he even missed one of those tonight. He missed a few jump shots early, but his jump shots looks good. But this is like D.A. D.A. has to get warmed up. He always has to get warmed up in the games like he can't carry uh, a good game from one to the other because he just it's a new it's a new day for him every game so the more that he get the more touches he gets the better he's gonna look and i don't think it has anything to do with cp3 and chris paul having the ball too much but i always i always wanted to ask you too like is it because booker and chris paul handle the ball so much is why da just can't get into any rhythm why we trash him so much why he can't find him, himself on the floor like if he doesn't get involved early does it just throw him off the rest of the game to where he just doesn't know what to do No, because I no. feel like that's what it looked like tonight where he was, he looked great because of all the touches he had. Yeah. I mean, he came out and he was three for six in the first quarter. You know, he was consistent. He had 10 points in the second quarter in the third quarter. Uh, he ended with eight points. And in the fourth quarter, he had the five that I mentioned. So, I mean, he was, he was pretty consistent throughout the entire game. I don't feel like it's he has a problem getting going or getting his motor going. Typically, DA has a high motor in the front in the first uh, quarter. The second quarter, he sits down, and we don't see anything from him. The third quarter, we get some DA, and then we don't see him in the fourth. Like It's almost consistent in the, in the way that he gets his touches with the way that this offense is built because this offense is built not about around the interior but the exterior. This offense is built about around two all-star guards who have great three and D, you know, shooters around them. And then DA down there kind of to mop up the mess on the interior and, and kind of score when he's called upon. Obviously, he's needed to be called upon a little bit more in this game. And he ended with 30 points. So it's like 
I see people trashing DA. He scored 30 tonight. Like, and, and and don't get me wrong. We're the first to trash DA. We are the voice of the fans, I feel like. We're the first to trash DA when we feel like he's underperforming or he's not engaged or he's not into the game. He was in this game the entire time, I feel. You know, Jay Sheck says it in the in the chat. He says, you know what, John? He's got to call for the ball. Well, now we're just getting ticky-tack. You know, oh, he's not calling for it enough. This That's the same conversation of, well, oh, he's laying it up, not dunking it. It's like he called for the ball. They tried to get it to him. They turned it over. They went down the next time. He was rolling. Campaign had him right off of his right hip, but he dribbled the ball out of bounds. So why are we going to put this one on DA necessarily? I don't put this on DA in any way, shape, or form. He had a fantastic game today. This is exactly what I wanted to see. And again, the frustrating thing, Matthew, as you and I note all the time, it's the inconsistency. It's him. He goes for 30 tonight and he went for eight the other night. You know, in the next game, he'll go for 10. You know, it's just like there's no consistency to his game. A consistent player scores over 20 points a game. That's what a consistent offensive player does. Was he great on the defensive end tonight? I would say not. I would say that there was plenty of opportunity for the Bucks to score at the rim, which they did. Uh, but that's because DA did what he was doing tonight what he should have done against the Knicks, and that's stay home on his guy. Because in the last game, he didn't stay home on his guy, and Mitchell Robinson was mopping up the offensive rebounds. So what did he do tonight? He laid back, he boxed out, and he didn't allow the uh, uh, Giannis to go crazy on the offensive boards and Bobby Portis to go crazy on the offensive boards. No, he stayed home and he boxed out his guys, and he put it on the wing defenders and the guard defenders. You know, there's a play where... Drew Holiday's got Mikhail Bridges on him, goes right around him and scores a layup. You know, it's like, well, DA could have gone for that. Probably could have created some shot deterrence, but guess what? Then Giannis has a dunk. And then we're, we're bishing about DA there too. So, you know, yeah, the, the frustrating thing about DA is how hot and cold we can be on him, right? And it's, it's understandable. He's a number one overall pick. He's going to be criticized. He's going to be analyzed. And when he's not consistent, it's going to be frustrating. Uh, with that statement, I believe is true is it's frustrating his inconsistency. I won't say anything about his game today though. I mean, 30 points, you know, what was it? 14 of 16 shooting or uh, 14 and 19, 14 and 19 shooting. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, mean, I thought he had a great game. No, me too. And this should be just every night. This should be his game. Of course. With Chris That's Paul the frustrating with Devin Booker. part. But I don't think it can happen really, unless he has like the, the game in the first quarter where he's just getting the ball a lot, where he's, they're paying attention to him a lot. Like he has to get bumped and bruised early in the game, defensively, everything for him to get into it. And that's the thing that's, that is frustrating because when you just need him to show up in a game like last game where it's like, just go in there and play this type of game and he can do it. And he just wasn't focused last game at all tonight. He was, but then mm -hmm. also when he comes towards the end of the game, he's not the guy to close it out for you either. He could be, but it never is an option. I think you just go, like you said, guard heavy. You try to get Mikhail Bridges involved. Jay Crowder, you rely on him, but it's always going to be like a camera pain if Chris Paul and Devin Booker isn't there. Um, but, but yeah, Aiden can only do so much and Aiden will be the guy, uh, that's always going to be frustrating because we don't understand the game of basketball. What Monty's trying to do out there. It's difficult for me to understand what, like what they're trying to do with DA at all times. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So there's so much behind the scenes. Of course, we don't know, but in a game like this, he played great, but this should be every night, the 30 points that should be almost every night, right? 25 to 30 points for him because the 19 shot attempts, it should be something like 15 to 19 a game because he's so efficient. So just keep that up and it's not going to happen. We're going to next game. We're going to be yes. talking crap again. That's just the way yes. this goes with him. No, I agreed. And again, you know, the reason 
he's not closing out games is because he's never been asked to, right? I mean, yeah, no, he he doesn't know how to close out games. He's never been trained to close out games, mm-hmm. and it's it's part of the the growth is learning to do so. Jay says it in the chat. This is a great one. He was great tonight, but you don't think Shaq, Ewing, Robinson, Hakeem got doubled? Find ways to get the ball. What has ever shown you that DeAndre Ayton is on the same level as Shaq, Ewing, Robinson, or Hakeem? Absolutely, positively, nothing. He's not. He's not that guy. Do we want him to be that guy? Yes. Now we're going back to a conversation that's three years old. He's not any of those guys. What makes him successful is being the third fiddle. Every one of those guys is a one or or the uh, a first or second option on a team. He's our tertiary player on a good night. So, I mean, you could you can want to be Shaq, Ewing, Hakeem, or, or Robinson, and guess what? Then you're disappointed every game because he's not that. Just like because that's what we do. We, we yeah. expect him to be kind of like that, and then when he's not, we get annoyed because we know he can be. Well, so and that's, again, that's why we get so torn well, up about them. And, and again, you know, yeah, we're without our, our top two all-stars, right? And we're like, oh, well, DA should just close the game out. You know, that's like saying, okay, uh, I expect every game. Uh, I'm trying to think who it was earlier in the season. What's his face? Uh, Otto Porter. Remember Otto Porter? Remember when he beat the Suns for the with the Warriors on Christmas Day? He was the guy who just went nuclear in the last five minutes. You know, that's like expecting Otto Porter whenever you want him to just to press a button and to be that version of Otto Porter, Otto Michael Jordan Porter. It's like you're not going to get that with D.A. because he doesn't know to do that. He hasn't had to do that. What makes this team successful and the reason they're 51 and 13 is because they're a complete team and they utilize their different assets in different ways. And tonight, without two of those assets, they try to get him the ball. They couldn't get him the ball. And then on the other side, the Bucks. I mean, I would love to see the field goal percentage in the last four minutes for them because I said they were 70% in the fourth quarter. I want to know what was the last four, uh, four or five minutes. They were probably 100%. I don't think they missed a shot. They hit so, every shot, dude. Yeah, they did. So, again, I'm not going to sit there in any way, shape, or, por- or, or form put this on DA. So that's just going to be uh, the end of that conversation. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Jay Crowder. You mentioned a little bit earlier, probably one of the most positive performances of the night is he the most underrated member of the phoenix suns matthew yeah i think so because he is the main reason is because it's always like the starting the benching kind of thing but we always kind of were like all right he's a starter so that's fine we can just leave that there um he's underrated but (laughs) my favorite thing is like arguing with myself during the game it's like i don't know if i love this jay crowder that keeps us in games with these big shot threes or the 0 for 9 Jay Crowder. Like, that's how much I love him. I don't underrate the guy, but I feel like he is. And it's because he goes 0 for 9 sometimes, and I still love that. But, of course, I like the Jay Crowder like tonight to where he hits these big shots. And like I said in the beginning of the podcast, they should have lived and died by Jay. There was a point where Jay was going going nuts. He, I think he had two threes in a row, threw two huge threes in a row. And then he had another chance later on in the next possession or maybe a possession after that. And then he was... Just like pass it up. I'm like, no, Jay, we need you just to shoot that because tonight or today, we don't have anybody else really to step up and make the big threes. Because of the way Milwaukee was making shots, you want to rely on a guy that's hot. And Jay Mm -hmm. was that guy. And that's why I don't think he, to me, I don't feel like he is underrated because he is that guy and we know he is. I think we always appreciate him. Just on the pod, though, we don't talk about him too much, but we don't even talk about Devin Booker that much. Remember, we went through phases where we never talked about Booker. Jay Crowder's kind of like that guy. He's dropping 30 a night, and we're like, yeah, let's talk about Landry Shaman, how shitty he is. Yeah, see, we focus Uh, on the negative. Yeah, Yeah. you're right. No, but you're, you're right with Jay Crowder. You know, the reason... The, the Phoenix Suns beat the New York Knicks is because they kept feeding Cameron Johnson. 
he was the guy with the hot hand, so they kept getting him the ball, and ultimately he made the game winner that pushed the Suns over the New York Knicks. Tonight it was Jay Crowder. You know, he had 19 total points. He was 7 for 12 from the field, including 4 of 8 from beyond the arc. Four rebounds, or I'm sorry, five rebounds, seven assists. So as you mentioned, you know, in all aspects of the game, he he just had a, himself a great game. And I really do wish that he was the person who in that last quarter kind of took over the Cam Johnson, Cam Johnson role that Cam displayed in the Knicks game. Because in that fourth quarter, he had nine points. He was three for three from deep. Uh, Mikhail Bridges also had nine points. Then you had yeah. DA with five and campaign with five and JaVale McGee with four. But I feel like there were some opportunities there where, listen, the Bucks were clogging the interior. That was their game plan in the last five minutes. You're not going to let DA get the ball. So shoot the threes that they were giving you. And you're right. I know exactly which play you're talking about where he had one wide open. He passed right out of it. It's like, dude, you just made two, two big threes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because Aaron Holiday was, was making, or I'm sorry, Drew Holiday was making everything. So it's like, why not just go mono e mono? And that's essentially, you know, what the Suns kind of went away with. But I do think that he is the most underrated son, because if you were to sit there and talk about the starting five, he's always the last guy you talk about. You know, you start with Devin Booker or Chris Paul based on who you're where your allegiances lie. Then you start to fanboy over Mikhail Bridges and then you talk shit about D.A. And then there's like Jay Crowder just sitting there consistent as all hell. Uh, our second top rebounder on the team, a guy who loves to shoot the three ball and has, has hit some monster threes in his career. And, and to your point, even on his 0 for 9 games, we don't sit there and just go, God. Damn it, Jay. You know, imagine if DA went 0 for 9 for a game, what everyone would say. Imagine if Mikhail went 0 for 9, <laughs> you know. Now, granted, those are first-round picks that were drafted by the team, and Jay Crowder is a journeyman NBA player who's arrived in Phoenix and definitely made a positive impact. But I just think that he is somebody who, you know, on the defensive end, he's a leader. On the offensive end, he's a leader. And he's just – it was nice to see him have a, a good game and hit some of those big shots. And to your point, Matthew, I really wish that we had – uh not gone away from him in that fourth quarter because he was in fuego. Yeah, and I think that um, Mikhail, because of his kind of poor game on offensively to start the game, I mean, Mikhail kind of picked it up later in the game. They, I think Jay was handling the ball a lot more. It wasn't like consistently where he was like playing point guard or anything, but he was bringing the ball up a lot more, initiating the offense, and it was kind of like a lot of what you saw of Mikhail like last game, but it was like Jay this game, so they kind of switched it up that way, and I kind of liked it. I mean, I feel like Jay can be that guy. Maybe they mm -hmm. try to make him like the Cam Johnson of tonight, and I think it almost worked. It almost worked in his favor, but of course, 19 points isn't like the 38, but that's big. That's high for Jay, the 19 points. Oh, big time. And you're you're starting to see, especially with Chris Paul being out, more possessions where Jay Crowder is the initiator. He might bring it up the court. He's not doing something and running sets, but yeah. I mean, on occasion, he does bring it up the court. So you're going to see plenty of that moving forward uh, with Chris Paul out for, you know, a few more games, a few more games. Mm -hmm. uh, Landry Shamit. Landry Shamit this evening. All right, let's see what his statistics ended up looking like. Uh, Landry, I was looking at the fourth quarter. I'm like, no, he's only played seven minutes this game. No, <laughs> 34 total minutes played, 17 points, five for 12 from the field, three of six from beyond the arc, four of six from the free throw line, five assists, four fouls, and one rebound. Matthew, is Landry Shamit slowly trying to play his way into my heart? I was going to ask you, did he already earn his drop back after this game or no? no. Not yet. Not yet. No. It was close. It was a good was close. game, man. He's, he's getting building there. Himself up. Like his defense tonight was so good, and he's still got a lot of calls against him. 
which he's just getting punched in the face and they're calling yeah. fouls. Like on he's him. like the new Dario Saric, right? Just like getting yes. punched in the face, getting <laughs> murdered. And it's like a foul on him. But he defensively in his threes, I mean, defensively looked awesome. He was all over the floor trying to grab loose balls. He was basically covering his guy to the teeth. Like he was on top of his dude. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why he was getting foul called. Yes. Like they were... Yeah, but some of them were just like, what? That's not a foul. So I was with Sham on Shamit's side a lot of those calls. Um, but what he did with the offense, I think ever since he started kind of handling the ball more, I feel like that mm-hmm. gave him a little bit more confidence. Um, I think that what he's doing with his threes, they're they're straight shooting, like they're right on. He doesn't have a lot of those threes that are just like off balance. But I also like it too when he takes the ball, whenever he's like he's flipped the ball up at the top of the key and he doesn't just shoot. The three like he'll actually put the ball down and continue in full circle towards yes. the basket i like that kind of sham it where he does that and he takes his time with it he might make the right pass he might get to the lane and um just uh, that sham it evolving into like more of like kind of like a playmaker just a minimum just a little bit like tiny bit of a playmaker um i like that i think it improves everything else for his game i think if he just has the ball more it it gets to his head where he just is more comfortable and you can see it on the court i love it yeah, he's finally starting to find some rhythm. And it's what we've asked for all season is for him to just get into rhythm. It's like, please, Landry, just get into rhythm. I mean, this tonight was his 10th start this season, uh, his 51st game overall. And in my opinion, I'm trying to think back if there was a game where I felt like he played better, but this might have been his best game of the year. You know, yeah. so again, has he earned his drop yet? No, because I stated that he needs to have probably about four or five solid performances strung together for me to give him his job or his drop back. Uh, in my opinion, this is number three, you know, against the, against the warriors, he went for 12 points. He was too afraid from deep four for 12, but at least he was being a little bit more engaged uh, against the Knicks. He only had six points, but I really gave a lot of kudos to the way that he played defense in that game and really was focused on that side of the court. I think tonight we saw a much more engaged, as you mentioned, offensively uh, inclined player, a playmaker, and dedicated on defense. So now, you know, when you start to get all of those phases collectively, now you're getting solid performances, which is what I feel like he provided tonight. And again, he, he's slowly playing his way back into my heart, but my heart is cold. My heart is a rock when it comes to Landry because he's burned it so, so much. But it, during this time frame with Chris Paul out and especially with Devin Booker out, you know, this is his opportunity to shine and he's, he's starting to make some of those strides. Now, that being said, will we, will we see Devin Booker back in, against the magic or the heat later this week? Or, you know, as flex said, are we going to wait all the way for the Toronto Raptors? Well, if we go against the magic and the heat and Landry's getting the shark, the, the, the shark again, if he's shark in his pants, running around there, uh, if he gets the start again, I think there's an opportunity for him to grow a little bit. So we'll see. But I think that there's po- definitely positive signs for him. Uh, Aaron Holiday, on road today. What did you think about him losing the cornrows, going against up against playing his brother and you know letting the hair go today? I dig it. Yeah, he's almost jam started the game because of that hair. Honestly, I think it looks great, dude. Anytime you can get that hair up, and the especially with the headband on, and he looks awesome. I think it's yeah. the best look on the team right now. Um, but it was fun seeing him against Javon Carter, right? Like the the new versus the old. Uh, it, it was it was cool. I think he the way that Holiday was playing tonight, he was using his body a lot in the paint. 
not Kyrie Irving-esque at all by any means, but he was using his body in a good way to where he would even push off the defender like a Giannis and get a shot off. It was kind of something I didn't expect from him, but he was doing that a lot. He was doing a lot of pick and rolls, the pick and pops with himself coming mm-hmm. off the pick and roll to where he just settled for the jumper and it looked good. It looked like a Chris Paul kind of thing. Of course, it's not Chris Paul ask it's just you know the same kind of play the same kind of situation chris paul finds himself in that's what aaron holiday was doing today uh but he was he really killed it in the three and like i said in the first quarter him and uh juice they were playing really well together i think Mm -hmm. they had the 11 points in the first quarter that helped the suns get off to a good start because you had to rely heavily on them man and i think he played a really good game I think he had a lot of free range to do whatever he wanted with the offense, and it paid off. I think he had his best game as a son so far. I don't know if I'd go that far. I think his first game or maybe his third game was was better. But I think that this one, to your point, you see a lot more of the confidence. You know, One thing he was doing against the Knicks is he was short-arming some of his shots where he was kind of in between. Like He looked like he wanted to throw a lob up to Aiton, but he wasn't sure, so he just kind of short-armed it off the front of the rim. Whereas tonight, he was full confidence. He's like, I'm just shooting this thing. Yeah, you know, and and he shoot it. He did, and shoot it well. He did. Aaron Holiday in his 17 minutes played went four for seven from the field. Had eight points. Had four assists. Had three rebounds. He's a guy who garners more minutes. I feel, and right now is the time to get him some minutes because you got Landry Shamit. You know, 34 minutes played. Cameron Payne, 35 minutes played. And as we mentioned, both of them played pretty great. If you could get about five more minutes for Aaron Holiday in there, and you kind of pull back a little bit on Shamit and Payne. I think it really opens up him even more because, again, he has the playmaking ability. He has the shoot ability, and he's got the great hairdo. So why not? Like, that's that's all we <laughs> yeah, want to see. No, that's the biggest know? reason, yeah. <laughs> it's 100%. Yeah. That, that's why we show up right there, right now. Uh, seeing C4 on the, up, on the opposing team, man, that's kind of some psychological warfare, I feel. What did you think? It was. Yeah, and honestly, I don't know how he can root for the Bucks. Like, it must be tough for him. I know he's on the Bucks team, but how do you root for your own team when you're playing against the Suns? <laughs> Does that make any sense? Yeah, well, like, I was hoping he was going <laughs> to shave some points or something, you know? It's like, I, he took a couple yeah. shots. I'm like, he looks thanks, Javon. Me. Thanks for missing yeah, that on exactly, purpose for yeah. us. I, I We all knew what he was doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was tough seeing him play for the opposition, but you know it's happened before. We saw him in Brooklyn. It's just C four. You're forever a son to us. Uh, looking at the Milwaukee Bucks, you know one Serge Ibaka was a real pain in the glass. Uh, his final line tonight was let me pain see in here. the glass. See what I did there? Let's see what I did there. Thank you, thank you. He had 14 points. He had 10 rebounds, and six of them were offensive. You know, that's the killer. As you look at the the second chance points, it was close. It was 13 for the Suns and 14 from the uh, Bucks. But I feel like Serge Ibaka really made an impact when he was in there because not only was he cleaning it up on the boards, but he also hit a three, and that's just kind of frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're going against Ibaka, I was thinking, would McGee be, be the better man to play against? Him? I feel like it was a lot of Biombo on him. Mm-hmm. I thought McGee, with the size and length, would have been better to push him off the offensive glass. Um, that's one thing that I thought Monty could have done. We just talked about the coach of the year thing, the matchups. He he did a good job tonight, I thought. But that one thing, I was like, play McGee a little bit more, uh, just to be more of a of a menace against uh, 
Bismack against uh whatever. Who are we talking about? Serge Ibaka. Serge Ibaka, the one dude that the Suns could have got, but then of course we got McGee, and I love the McGee pick. But it's just funny like how it comes full circle, right? Where we're playing against Ibaka, and he's like the one reason I feel like the Milwaukee Bucks could stay in the game because of those six offensive rebounds. Uh, but I wanted McGee to play one on one against him more. I think that's something that should have happened. Um and it's funny how we do have the size now. We do have mm-hmm. the size, and we've been talking the last few podcasts. What's this rebounding? Th- what's what's going to happen with this rebounding issue? Because the guys we're missing, I know Cameron Johnson's a bigger dude. The guys we're missing aren't the bigs. It's the point guards, and I think maybe that's a big issue. Are they really were they really helping us that much on the boards? I think Chris Paul holds them in order, but other than that, these guys got to figure it out down there. You know, I'm looking at the stats, and Matthew, maybe you have some stats in front of you, and correct me if I'm wrong. But the Bucks out rebounded the Suns forty-eight to twenty-seven. Yeah. Is that correct? No, it's fifty-six to thirty-six. I don't know where you get your rebounding stats. Well, I've... well, my mine. Okay, so mine has twenty-seven total rebounds from the Suns, but then there's nine team rebounds, which is thirty-six. Oh, and then, okay, yeah, okay. forty-eight for yeah. the for the Bucks with eight team rebounds, which okay. is fifty-six. So fifty-six to thirty. So they were out rebounded by twenty fucking rebounds. Yes. Good. Yeah. God, yeah, it's a Didn't thing. Feel now. like, damn, that is a thing now. I wanna, I wanna delve into that a little bit more and see what's happened since Chris Paul. You know, these last six games, why, why are we not getting rebounds? Because of Man, Chris that's Paul. Crazy though, I, that's crazy. He's the smallest guy on the court. So, I know, but it's the only thing that w- is missing. That's the only thing missing since it started happening. It's Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Yeah, of course, but he gets, yeah, he gets like five first six. game missing. Yeah, no, but I just, I think. The accountability, I seriously think that's an issue. Where yeah. Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton, Ayton did do better tonight, but Ayton was always getting 12 or 13 rebounds with Chris Paul. Now he's like barely even, if he ever does, reach 10. Yeah, so. you're right. You're right. Wow, that's impressive. And again, you know, you talk about JaVale McGee and, and Bismack Biombo. It's interesting because Bismack ends with about 13 minutes and JaVale McGee ended with just shy of nine. So I wonder why JaVale didn't get as many minutes it's funny because like when Bismack doesn't get any minutes, we're like, we need Bismack. And then Bismack gets more minutes than JaVale. And we're like, why didn't JaVale get more? Why can't we ever be happy, Matthew? <laughs> I don't know what could ever be happy in this life. I don't know. It's a Sunday yeah. scaries too, man. So, Well, and I'll tell you, it's a national television game. And I think the Suns are like 0-7 in the last national. It's just, it's it's so funny. Whenever we play on that national spotlight on like ABC games, we just lose. So all the national media is like, the Suns aren't that good. It's like, dude, we're 51 and 13. We're like seven and a half games up on any other team in the NBA. Yeah. And still like no one gives a shit. So uh, mm-hmm. also, also talking about the, the bucks is they have Grayson Allen on their team, Matthew. And you know, one of our buddies, so says Jay is a very, he's very, very anti Grayson <laughs> Allen for good reason. <laughs> And, you know, he's made the statement in the past that he's a top five punchable face. And the last time, we, I, I believe it was last time we played the Bucks, we had kind of a little bit of that conversation where I said, I'm like, he definitely has a punchable face. I don't know if he is on my top five punchable faces. But that being said, I bet you Jamsters, based on how much they listen to the podcast, can tell me who my top five punchable faces in the NBA are. And it was great because on that podcast, Plenty of you put your comments in and, and put your guesses. So I think it's time we just put this all to rest. And Matthew, you and I go over our top five punchable faces in the NBA. A lot. God damn it. I don't know what it is about your face, but I want to deliver one of these right in your suck hole. <laughs> so, so Matthew, did you come up with a list of top five 
punchable faces in the NBA? <sighs> I did. And of course, the way I am, John, I do change the rules a few times. So oh, I only have one player on this list that's in the current NBA roster. Oh, okay. So you have like a historic. <laughs> okay. I did. Yeah. Because it was hard for me to think of current players. Oh, um, I didn't. So I went. Uh, should I just go? So what one. we'll do is we'll start. I'll start with, or you start with your number five, and then I'll tell you my number five, and we'll work our way down the list. And Jamsters, you let us know in the chat if you're watching with us uh, who is in your top five, and we can just kind of see where we're at and see if we just want to punch all these motherfuckers in the face. So all Matthew, right. st- let's start with your top five. All right. So number five is Tim Duncan. Number okay. Th- why? No, no, no. Don't go. Don't go through them all. We're not going to just read them off. We're going. We're going to have conversations along the way. Okay. So, why? Yeah, why, why, why Timmy D? Uh, you know, I I respect him a lot more, but I think just at the time of playing him, his face and the way the emotions he would have never have, and then all of a sudden the the pure emotion of um, terror that would come over his face after every foul called, that was a punchable thing. I think just the way he looks, how comfortable he is in his own skin, I want to punch that. You shouldn't be that comfortable <laughs> as a person. <laughs> yeah, I could definitely see... Tim Duncan, I just, in my personal opinion, though, I don't think he was top five or he wasn't in the top two on that team. There's like two other, two or three other Spurs on those, those yeah. Spurs teams that I'd like to punch in the face more like Manu Janosbleed. bleed. I would like to uh-huh. give him a good old fashioned right hook. Uh, what's his nug? What's his nug? Tony Parker. Guy, Tony Parker. Um, not him though. Uh, God. Bruce Bowen. Bruce Bowen. My God. That is a punchable. That's a punchable kisser right there. So okay, who do you have at number four? Because again, so we're number go four historic list, and then we'll go through my current players. Number four is Tony Parker. Okay, uh, there you, you go. Know, I, I love the ugly, not a good looking dude, but he still is an NBA player. Pulls in the uh, hot actresses as his wife's, as his wife's, as his girlfriend's, all of his, and wives. he, and he cheats on them and stuff like that. I just. He was always just a guy that annoyed the shit out of me. I thought he was very ugly and wanted to punch him. Uh, so that's the reason, yeah. And okay. Then, so uh, number three is Manny Ginobili. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So you just got the whole Spurs rock. <laughs> yeah, Ginobili. He, the, the reason really for Ginobili is uh, he was just too good. He was too good, and it frustrated me because I thought his sons could have done a better job on him, but he, no one could stop that dude. So the only thing that could stop him is a punch to the face, I thought. And well, it never happened. The the thing with Ginobili that drove me crazy and what made his his face so punchable was his flopping. He mm-hmm. was an unbelievable flopper. And it was just it would be so frustrating. It's like, listen, if you're gonna fall down and act like you were fouled, it's kind of like something your dad would say to you if you were crying. He's like, You crying? I'm gonna give her a reason to cry. Yeah. The same thing with yeah. him. It's like if he was gonna fall down on a foul, it's like I'm gonna give you a reason to fall down on a foul, you know, because it's like Sorry, there's a fly on. My- <laughs> I saw that. Was that there's an a, orb? Was that a, a ghost? The fly, oh, the fly on my on my microphone. It just landed right from me. I nearly inhaled it. Uh, but yeah, it's that was actually it's the ghost of Manu Ginobili like flying around. Me. Yeah. So, so who do you got? Number three. Number three. Uh, number three was Manu. Uh, number two is uh, Bruce Bowen. Yeah. So and you. That's, <laughs> so you basically listed off my whole top four. Nice. Or uh, two through five. Uh, Bruce Bowen. We all know why because he's an asshole. Yeah. And, uh, number one is going to be uh, James Harden. Okay. I love his game, respect his game, but he just has that face where it's just like another one of those faces, very comfortable in his own skin, uh, just doesn't give a shit. And those people, you just you want them to pay attention to you. You want them to gain your respect. And for some reason, I just want to punch him in the face. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I understand it. And 
He's got those sharp teeth, though. It's like if you hit he him does. just right, like you're gonna, yeah. snag, you're gonna get yeah. caught in the snaggle. You got to be careful <laughs> there. So, yeah. okay, no, very good. So Matthew, that's the historic top five punchable, as uh, Sundress Dunk says in the chat. LOL, whole Spurs team. That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go through mine, uh, but okay. first I'm gonna just kind of go down some of the jamsters and what they've said. Uh, Sundress Dunk says Portis, Beverly are top two. Uh, Coach Fallen Founder gives one to Bobby Portis. Sundress also says LeBron. Coach Fallen Founder, it says, and the Morai. Coda Kid says, Blake Griffin and Bobby Portis. Ted Lubin says, Pat Bev has to be on the list. Uh, that dude in Dallas from Coda, <laughs> Pat Bev. Um, Tsunami Poppy from Liber- Libertarian Punch. No, we would never want to hear that beautiful that's face. Mean. Uh, Maury, Morris Brothers Avi. Uh, Bobby Portis. A lot of Bobby Portis. A lot of Bobby Portis. Bruce Bowen from John Carl. Uh, Ariza from Sunderstunks. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony Parker or Bruce Bowen, Eric Bledsoe, uh, Curry, number one most punchable face, Stephen A. Smith, Demarcus Cousins, Pop, <laughs> Sam Cassell, <laughs> Rhett Westbrook. Wow, we've hit a nerve here. Uh, Draymond Green, LeBron Queen James. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the the Jamsters are definitely throwing it down in the in the chat here. Donovan Mitchell, um. Trey Young. Those are those are good Kyrie. ones. Man. I had a hard time. Mo too. Bamba. Mo Bamba. Mo Bamba. That is kind of a punchable yeah. face. I don't know. Sorry. Here we go. Here's my top five most punchable faces in the NBA. And again, if you've listened to the pod, none of this should really be a surprise to you. Uh, number five for me is Luka Doncic. Um, he's got a real doughy face, and he's a crybaby. So you know, he's the kind of kid who's like, if you're on the playground and he's just crying all the time. And again, it's just like, dude, stop crying, stop bitching all the time, and he continues to cry. You're like, listen, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw one right in your kisser. Like, here's a, here's a reason to cry, motherfucker. Bah. Uh, and I just, it's a very doughy face, and I, it'd be interesting to see what your fist would feel like against that. Number four, Pat Bev, without a doubt. I just can't stand the way he plays, and he's again somebody who, if you're gonna flop and bitch and moan, let's give you a reason to do so. Number three, Blake Griffin. Uh, can't stand Blake Griffin. Utterly can't stand this guy. And again, he has kind of that Tim, that the the Timmy D look, the Tim Duncan look, the what, the big eyes, like what the fuck, yeah, huh? I didn't do shit. Like Channing Tatum, oh yeah, like I don't, I yeah. have no idea what's going on. <laughs> um, number two is either Morris Twin. Oh, uh, okay, you two know? for one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is where I'm breaking Ding the rules dong. a little bit too. I'm going yeah. two for one right there. Uh, I just, we know why. Uh, honorable mention to Trey Young. He almost made my list. There's something about Trey Young. It's just, you know, he's he's a cocky son of a bitch and, you know, whatever. Uh, Matthew, do you think you can guess my number one? Most punchable uh, face in the NBA. Is it, uh, hold on, hold on. It's um the dude from the Grizzlies, right? Yep, Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks. <laughs> Dylan yes. Brooks. I can never think of that dude's name. <laughs> Number one most punchable face in the every NBA time we to play me. against them. That's I can't stand that pod, dude. Talking about him. Yeah. Well, and, and like Harden for you and being number one is a great call because I feel like Luke and Harden are kind of the same thing. But like Dylan Brooks is the same thing as those two guys, but like without the talent. He's the, he's Eric Burns, who used to play for the Dimebacks, the over hustler, yeah, the guy who yeah. just. You know, again, it's just like he tries so hard and you just want to punch him in the face because it's like, dude, he headbangs down right down. He the, uh, he's a he's a headbanger. So, uh, yeah, you know, Sunders dunks, not Portis. No, I really don't want to punch Portis in the face. Grayson Allen. I mean, the whole reason we brought this up, 
No, not a punchable face. He's the kind of guy you just want to take a crowbar to an ACL to, you know, it's just like he goes out of his way to hurt people. It's like you have to go out of your way to like hurt him like permanently. Yeah. And that's the kind it's of a guy. very violent podcast. Yeah, we've really taken a dark turn here on the Sun's Jam Session podcast. I hope nobody snips yeah. this and then sends this to these guys. Then one day somebody's like, hey, Dylan Brooks, that's the guy right there who said you're the number one top punchable well, celebrity, face. Celebrity match, you know, boxing match between us and them. See how that goes. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they'd win. They're like six foot seven and can kill me. They and they're in shape. Uh, Compazzo, that's a good one from Hey Dot Zero. So yeah, there you good. go, ladies and gentlemen. There's your top five most punchable faces, both historically and current NBA players, brought to you by Just Sports. <laughs> so I'm sure they're happy. <laughs> <laughs> Jam star of the game. All right, Jamsters, as a reminder to subscribe, rate, and review if you're listening. And if you're watching along live, please hit that thumbs up button and subscribe as well. Let us know in the chat who your Jam star of the game is. Uh, my Jam star of the game is Stefan Leonides, who just dropped 20 bucks in the uh, in the super chat. Thank you. Said bye, Bruce. Yeah, me, boys, man. appreciate all these videos. No, we thank you. We appreciate that. You're my Jam star of the game, uh, who's not a member of the Phoenix Suns. But, Matthew, if you were to pick a Jam star who is – a member of the Phoenix Suns. Who would it be tonight? Jay Crowder. He's the guy that should have hit the game winner tonight. That was supposed to be him, and it didn't work out that way. They went away from him, but he was the guy hitting the base shots. He started off the game, too, very well. They end one. That you know He was getting to the line. He was doing some point guard stuff, maneuvering the offense, holding the ball a little bit too long sometimes, but I liked it. I liked it a lot. I thought he'd played a great game tonight. Maybe his best game of the season. There you go. Like Aaron Holiday, right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm going with DA in this one. You know, I really think that he had a, a solid bounce back game. I'm happy that after having the conversation that we had on this podcast about his play against the Knicks, that we can come back the next podcast and I can give him a jam star of the game. I mean, again, that's this is our blessing and this is our curse with DA. He can look yeah. like a complete yeah. bum one game and look like an all-star the next and you know that's just the way it goes so uh but yeah boss man we got some love for da in the chat adam morrison is a very pun is pretty punchable as well that's a good poll right there adam i got the morrison. adam morrison mustache too dude yeah you do yeah, you I see do. the long yeah. hair like he did coming out of gonzaga yeah <laughs> uh campaign and jake crowder for uh for Jamstar. da da maybe da or boss man da da aaron was nice uh, da da so a lot of a lot of love for da and the boss man as well so uh, next up for the phoenix suns they continue this three game road trip by flying down to orlando to play the orlando magic uh, you look at this team the magic uh a, a game that's definitely winnable i mean if you play like you did against the uh the bucks you should beat the team that has the worst record in the in the eastern conference they're 16 and 49 um, just a bad team overall, a young team, a team mm -hmm. that definitely is, you know, they're, they're missing Jonathan Isaac. They're missing Wendell Carter. They're missing bull bull. So that's a lot of their size. Jalen Suggs has been out and he's been day to day with an ankle, but they're a young team that, you know, obviously is trying to put it all together. Consistent, uh, uh, inconsistently, I guess. What do you think about the Orlando magic, Matthew? You know, just like the last time we talked about the Knicks, be like, you know, New York Knicks. You know, it just that's my opinion really about the the magic right now. I honestly think that this is a game where, like tonight, where DA can put up the stats like he did. Uh it shouldn't be an issue. And I think that the magic team, they're looking to tank. Um, just like when we beat the Knicks, 
with the game winner. You know, we had a guy in here in the, and he was talking. He's like, thank you for being the the Knicks because we need that to tank. So I think it's the same thing with the Magic. They have to get those those L's. So maybe the Suns could help them out with it. And they should get back on track. Make that record four and three without Chris Paul. Yes. It'd be very nice. That would be ideal. It'd be nice to go to 52 and 13 and have 10 games to go to tie the all-time record. Uh, I mean, it's again, the, the magic are just one of those teams. And we'll definitely talk about that in the post game pod uh, on Tuesday when we record that one, that they're going to be pesky. They're going to be fighting. You know, they've got Franz Wagner, uh, the rookie out of Michigan, who's been playing very, very well. They got Terrence Ross. They got Gary Harris. They got Cole Anthony. I mean, they have some players who obviously are professional players and they're going to put forth a quality effort. What you need is the DA that we saw tonight. That's what we need against the Orlando magic. Right. Like that is he will dominate the magic if he plays with the same intensity that he did tonight. The hope is that he can do that, because, uh, again, if we're without Devin Booker, without Chris Paul and we're without Cam Johnson again, we're going to have to rely heavily on his interior presence and his ability to yeah. score. And hopefully we can fucking get some rebounds, you know, looking at this team, the way the way that rebound, the way that they rebound, uh, they're currently 22nd in the lead in total rebounds. 27th on offensive rebounds so this is a team that we should pretty well handle on the boards see if they can show up and do it Mm -hmm. and uh you know i mean the way to do it is really like you said da and i was like shaking my head when you're like we need a we need an outstanding performance from him again and i hope it happens it should happen but here we go wow yes indeed put some money on it matthew any notes that i missed today you know what? Let me take a look. Um, let me see. Shaman went over that. Punchable faces. We got that. Um, <laughs> no, I think we hit on everything, John. Well, fantastic. We'll play it one more time. God, God damn it. I don't know what it is about your face, but I want to deliver one of these right in your suck hole. <laughs> I just love that. I love that shit I so much. That's from uh, Step Brothers. Uh, well, on that note, Jamsters, we appreciate you hanging out, commenting in the chat. A lot of Great conversation going on in there. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if again, if you're watching this on YouTube, please give us a thumbs up button. Please subscribe, rate, and review there. Again, we'll be coming to you live on Tuesday following the Orlando Magic game. It is an early game. Arizona time, it's what? 5 o'clock, right? Yep. So it's 4 o'clock for me because I'll be on Pacific Coast time. So about 6 to that's Nice. Nice early day. Nice early yeah. day. So Beautiful. shit, that reminds me. I think I'm covering one of the games this week i gotta look on that for bright side i don't know if i'll be able to do it because i'm working sorry dave to let you know in the chat on the slack channel five Uh, o'clock yeah okay perfect perfect uh so on that note jamsters have a fantastic evening we'll see you on tuesday go home love your family all right